0: views of the A Bible fellowship you are listening to the vigilance radio network
1: hello guys hello everyone welcome to episode number two of the upper story podcast um, the upper story podcast The upper story is just a real casual discussion with uh, young Christian people, and we talk about uh, a number of things that just aren't normally talked about in the church. Um, So if you're tuning in now or in the future, thank you for being here, and welcome back if you are coming from episode one. Um, So yeah, tonight's tonight's, um, topic of discussion is just relationships, and um, specifically what do healthy, God-focused relationships look like. Um, So if you've been with us before, we've only done one, this is episode number two, then you know that in order to help facilitate our discussion, we, um, we pulled some articles from online to sort of get the, get the feel for what um, people think about relationships um, in general, or, or what people think about the given topic, rather, in general, um, tonight is relationships. So we pulled some articles to help us facilitate discussion, and our lovely panel of people here, our couch of people, um, will help shed some light on uh, tonight's given topic. So, um, without further ado, I'll allow the yellow couch to start talking, um, starting from myself, I guess. So my name is Adam, and I'm just the sort of moderator, helping to keep the discussion ticking. Um, and I guess we'll move uh, this way, if we if we will. This way. Yeah, you. Uh, my name's Josh. I... Whoa. Our live audience is causing
2: issues over there. Mm -hmm. Um, My name's Josh. I'm the senior pastor over at Alethe Bible Fellowship, and right now I'm playing uh, engineer.
3: Good thing you're not wearing a red shirt. Um, Mm -hmm. My name's Caitlin, and I was here on the first episode. I had a really good time. We were talking about identity, and I actually am not a member here. I go to Prince of Peace out in Battleground, and... um, yeah, I'm just really interested in talking about important issues that, as we said, aren't often talked about in the church, but really should be. Hi, my name is Jen, and I am a member of Aletheia, and
4: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
5: I'm Hayden, um, I'm also a member of Aletheia, and one of the guests here tonight. Go,
6: Jasmine. <laughs> Hello, I'm Jasmine. I am a member of Aletheia. I'm the intern of External Ministries. Um, and while we're at it, we should all do our ages because that's what we did last time. I am twenty-one. I'm fifteen right now.
1: Twenty-three. Seventeen. Thirty-eight. <laughs> Twenty-seven. <laughs> um, yeah. So we are here couch. hosting <laughs> our 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 couch discussion uh, from Aletheia Bible Fellowship in Portland, Oregon. So. Again, welcome and thank you for being here. So how this will go is just um, I'll read a truncated version of um, the article that we've pulled from um, and then we'll you know, ask a series of questions and I'll just allow the discussion to organically flow. Um, I think Jasmine over here will post the article on our Facebook video. Um, If you want to follow along via that way, so we'll post um, the article I'll read a truncated version of it So we can sort of all be on the same page about where we're coming from as a starting point and then these um, guys and gals Yeah Well um, just sort of talk about um, Relationships from whatever angle we're coming from um, given the article, so that's how it'll work and when it's maybe exhausted We'll just move to the next one. We have a few articles, so um, we can just move um, freely and organically as we need to Um, So, without further ado, I suppose we can get started. So, I'll read the first um, sort of truncated article, Jasmine's going to post it on the video, and here we go. Humans are social animals, and connection is important to forming and maintaining a sense of happiness in lives. But some connections just aren't meant to last. Holding on to people despite a bad connection can end up draining your energy or even stunt your personal growth. You've heard the importance of decluttering homes every now and then, but what about friendships? De- friendship decluttering? The notion may seem harsh, but it's important to stop and reflect on the people in our lives that aren't bringing us value. Um, the article goes on to talk about three main types um, of, of relationships that you may have. Um, bad connections, pseudo good connections, and real connections. Um, and it says, when you control your environment, environment, you control your life. If you cultivate the best friendships in your life, you will maintain a better quality of life all around. You're much more likely to reach your goals because the influence of the people you spend the most time with shapes your mindset more than you think. People who motivate you, support you, and see the best in you um, will consciously and subconsciously drive you toward what you want in life and you'll ultimately achieve more. By cutting out toxic relationships, you'll start to see a massive difference in yourself and how you see the world around you in a more positive light. Don't underestimate what a real friend can bring to the table. So we have a series of questions, guys. Um, first of all, I guess I'll just allow you guys to um, speak your initial thoughts on it. Um, a, more, a more pointed question would be, should we be viewing relationships as purely um, self-serving? Um, yeah, so we'll start there. What are your initial thoughts and maybe um, what do you think about that as a starting point?
3: I mean, it's clearly not, like, a Christian perspective. I, distinctively not. Because the issue is, is that it it mixes some truth with some lies. And so the issue is, is you have the idea that, well, what's going to build you up? Not people that are tearing you down. Like, that's kind of obvious. But it seems to then it concludes from that, that essentially, as you're saying, relationships should be benefiting you. And so... If it's not benefiting you, you need to cut it off. But it, it comes from a very like, yeah, like you said, a very self-serving perspective. Like relationships from the Christian perspective are a lot more than that. They're not. They're not self-focused. I mean, imagine if Christ had been self-focused. We, he wouldn't have come down in the first place, let alone die on a cross. And so the idea is, is like, how can we then be self? focused in our relationships if that's who we're claiming to follow um and so the issue is is if it's like oh i will only allow myself to be around people if they are going to be helpful to me like you're gonna find yourself alone like you're gonna be in a company of one because guess what we're all human and people are going to mess up and people are going to sin against you more specifically. And so, if you cut people out of your life when they hurt you, you're gonna be alone.
1: My, I mean, my initial follow up to what you're so what we're talking about. You just said at the end there said it is, what's what what are people's standards for helpful for me even? Mm-hmm. What does that even mean?
3: Achieving your dreams.
1: What but do you guys think?
6: Yeah, I feel like when people say it's like it's everything is just based on like wh- basically how you're feeling at that point in time because your dreams like Caitlin suggested like that's going to change over time so what's good or helpful or whatever like that it's not and when it's based on feelings it's not going to be consistent so you cannot actually ever maintain that type of green tag friendship or whatever the article labeled it as.
1: The green label is the real connection.
4: The real connection. The real. Yeah, I agree with uh, what Caitlin was saying about there's like truths and lies in that and it's definitely not, you know, uh, Christian focused at all. Um, I, like, There are relationships where it's not gonna be like peer level or 100% like equal you know like that's not how it should be it's like you're probably gonna be doing some more work on this relationship because they need more work on that or you know it's I think it's just like the type of relationships that you have like you're not always gonna find um that that similarity and which i don't think is a bad
3: thing like they're yeah yeah i think the the main thing that would help because i think one of the some of the truth of it is that there are different types of relationship Mm -hmm. but the response is what the issue is because there's there's relationships where i have a very deep connection with people i mean like the people in this room often i'm i'm able to connect with (laughs) i'm able to say what i'm really thinking and get feedback and just yeah essentially just connect um and be supported and support one another and then there's other people where it's like it's not quite that we can hang out we have fun but it's not like I, i can't always um rely on them to um talk about deep things with or to um if i need help i don't i don't necessarily call on them and then there's like another category where there's people where it's like acquaintances and stuff and so the reality is is everyone we relate to we have a relationship with like we are very natural um as the article said we are naturally social beings because god created us to be that way um i mean if you look in the garden it's like adam went and he named the animals and what do you find he was like i'm lonely there's no suitable helper and so the idea is is it's like we're we're meant to be in a relationship with a relationship with one another and so when we run into these problems as we will um in in different levels the question in our mind shouldn't be how can i cut this out of my life how can i remove this uncomfortableness or this this pain that this person is causing me it's how can i improve my side of it how can i better myself and how can i support this person like like and that's going to vary significantly based on the the type of relationship it is based on like where you guys are just together and then like is it a boss is it a family member like just all of those complex dynamics um will come into play and how you should respond but that's the thing is it's it's a response it's a it's a desire to um just to support that person because they need support in some way i can guarantee it and you shouldn't just be doing that to receive support in the future like that's not the purpose of a of a relationship
4: yeah, um I also just think about the um like I think it's common in new believers where they've had a past life or previous life and they've had they've built these friendships with people but then they start to realize that those friendships are actually bringing them away from God and not, you know, benefiting them and well not that they're not been you know like they're not they're a negative impact and they're not what they want to focus on like they want to focus on god but they're bringing them down and um i think there's that balance of you don't want to say okay you're not a believer i'm a believer now like bye you know like you don't want to shut them out because that's that's not what we should be doing but stepping back from that and saying hey this is what's going on i'm here for you when you're ready to like do this, but I can't be in your life because of the choices that you're making, and that's not where I want to be. I think there's a, there's that balance, too, where it's like, yeah, you, like, what you said, like, you have to figure out how you approach that, and it's not in the,
3: in shutting that person out. It's like a, it's like a dynamic shift. Yeah. Rather than just, like, a cutting something off, it's just a change, yeah. I would say.
2: Do you guys find that that's more difficult from a Christian perspective than from a world perspective? Like, carrying on relationships that are dynamic, um, <clears throat> is that more difficult if you're following a biblical perspective, or is that easier? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I think it's more difficult. The world's perspective is, is is the easy one, like this mm-hmm. article suggesting. <laughs> it's like, uncomfortable, or you know, doesn't, I don't need them anymore, like, and then it's just boom, and then you cut off relationship, and you move on with your life, like, that's easy, anybody can do that, that's where I'm coming from, like, it's much harder to um, find the commonality between people who you don't normally gravitate toward, um, because you have a deeper um, foundation in in, in God, Um, and I remember, like, really noticing that about my friendships post high school, like, they almost all died yeah you know and, and not not by any sort of like um like mean-spiritedness It just they were not rooted in anything like even like my clo like my core group of friends there's probably like two or three of us like and i would spend like most of my time at like for example one one of my friend's houses like and i like have a pretty intimate r- uh relationship with like him and his family even but even that was um, pretty shallow. Like, like it wasn't ever. It wasn't ever rooted in um, our common relationship with God, and so it was always just surface level. And you don't really. I didn't really realize that until like I began my relationship with God, for example. So, um, it's sad, and it and like and like I said, it just, it wasn't it wasn't because of any like bitterness or whatever. It's just it became very obvious to me like that that's how relationships are unless they are um, founded in something greater than yourselves
3: right yeah and that's the thing is it's also more challenging because we have a higher standard like pretty much what you're saying is that they, they can just cut it off when they need to but for us we not only are um supposed to respond in specific ways but we're also obligated to maintain a much higher standard just in general like ethically relationally and and in those sorts of ways but the thing is is like it is it's also more difficult and it's more likely that those sorts of um fracturing occurs just because most people don't have an experience of something greater. And so they don't mm-hmm. know what it looks like to have something that's actually rooted rather than just a very surface level relationship.
2: Yeah. Has it been your experience that that type of relationship is necessarily different within the church than between believers and non-believers? I And the reason why I asked that question is, um, so, you know, I've, I am fortunate, I suppose, to be one of those people that grew up in the church. Um, but the reason why I say I suppose is <laughs> is because I don't really have relationships with people that I grew up in the church with where the relationship was supposed to be founded in God. Mm-hmm. Um, the truth is is that most of the relationships that I have now were afterwards in rejecting um, some of the cultural Christianity ideas and there was a lot of taking for granted um, almost treating church like it's like like it's high school you know like it's like if you're part of this class then you just should be connected to each other but then that connection is more is not really based on our um, love for each other it's not really based on our um it's not really based on our Christian duty, it's more just based on our what do you got there, trident?
3: Yeah, what's one? This uh mm. this, this is has been
2: brought, to you by trident. been brought to you by Trident. <laughs> the, um, the
3: official gum of the upper upper room. Stop.
2: Yeah, upper story. Yeah. The <laughs> but but yeah, like that that's been my experience. My experience is it's is relationship has to be made regardless of where you are. Sure regardless of if it's in an institution that should outlast it. What do you guys think about that?
0: Thoughts?
3: Yeah, and I mean that that relates kind of what to what I was saying about it's not surprising that much of Christianity it still has this very surface level very thinly rooted relationship idea because again, We don't practice it, and we don't, um, like, hold it up as the standard. We hold up these very loose, like, oh, hi, I see you on Sunday Mm -hmm. sort of relationships. It's just, like, that's how it is. And without seeing, we then, without being able to see that the next generation is taught the same thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm a good sample size for that because I went from nothing to be <laughs> part of Malathia or it's very like <laughs> hardcore and intentful in every single thing you do and so maybe and perhaps that's what drew me to this church to church in the first place you know it was it was a completely opposite experience than I'd ever seen and it was um, uh, significant um, so I don't know like I, but I hear what you're saying as far as that like these, these people that you grew up with were supposed to have a higher level of understanding and they still sucked, you know? Like, they, they sucked at who they're supposed to be and I'm sure in every case, in every... Wherever you're coming from, those type of people will be there. Like, the sucky versions of that. <laughs> right. Um, but, yeah, of, of course we're not supposed to be like that. And so, I don't know, maybe I'm not a good... Maybe I'm not a good sample for that, but...
2: Oh, I think it's just... It's a good... Like... It's a good understanding of the, sort of the cliche that if you're a person who has starved, then you're going to appreciate food better. Mm. Like, and that's really what it comes down to. Like, poor, people who have been poor know how to live in in excess. Mm. Is that what you'd say? Like, they know how to live with riches. But people who grew up rich, oh. they have a really hard time with, with treating money correctly. Mm. And... And I think, relationally, that's that's a thing. Like, if you never had relationships and you came into a place where relationships were valued, then you're going to care a lot more about those relationships. But when relationships are taken for granted, um, as, to some degree, they should be, right? Like, in, in our faith... It should just be expected. Yeah, in our faith, relationships should be expected. It should be the status quo. Right. But it hasn't been my experience that it is, and perhaps that's why all the, like, epistles... Were written right, like all. The, you think about just. The you inter- guys
3: are relating rock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the interesting
2: <laughs> fact that right from the beginning, all of the original churches uh, kind of sucked somebody. at it.
1: Yeah, how do you, This is how you treat each other. You treat each other home. Yeah. Yeah. What do you What do you think? I'm curious. What's your impression?
5: Um. It's definitely harder to like as a christian to have a relationship with people that aren't Christians, because like i mean being evangelist like you have to have like that side of things to like have a relationship with a person to end up like bringing them to the church and so but when they don't want like for that to really be anything rather than surface level it's like really hard to try and grow in that relationship like for the both of you or, like, you can also, like, there's always the opportunity that comes along to where it's, like, you can give them, like, wisdom of, like, how to go about things that are going on in their life. But it's, like, a lot of the time it's, like, they don't want to take it. So. And that's, like, really hard to see, too. So.
2: Yeah. How do you feel about, like, um, so the push is generally that there is... So as Christians, we're supposed to live a holistic life. Um, Christ is supposed to affect every aspect of our life, and so when we come into contact with non-believers who don't share the same feeling, even ones that we're close to, and they connect on different levels, whether it's you know sports or whatever, whatever it is, um, but they refuse to connect holistically. How does how does that like how do you navigate that? How do you guys navigate that? Like, do you just, like, then what's your go-to? Do you shut down relationship with them? Do you allow it just to connect on their terms? Like, how do you deal with that?
5: Um, I definitely used to shut down a relationship because I, like, saw it in black and white. But I've really, like, pushed myself to, like, still grow that relationship and, like, try to, like, show them based on, like, in my own life, like, how I've grown in having a relationship with God, and, like, give them that as an example, and then that's pretty much what I constantly try to do for them, like, to have, like, the opportunity of seeing that and, like, know that they don't have to just keep going down this path. Right. That they're going down.
2: So you try to keep the door open to a relationship. Yeah. But you're, what I'm hearing from you is that you don't compromise that area like you hold that area but maybe you i don't know how how would you explain that Like you don't compromise the area of um the gospel's effect on your life like you you still make it clear that that is the gospel's effect right (laughs) yeah that's i think that a lot of i think that a lot of christians compromise that both in outside this is kind of funny to say but both in outside of church relationships but even in church relationships there my experience with christianity inside the church is that a lot of people have a prime narrative between them that has nothing to do with the gospel
0: Hmm.
2: so it's like you know these are my buddies and we happen to go to church together as opposed to these are people that i go to church with and we happen to be buddies what do you guys think about that? Do you guys understand the difference?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It's mm-hmm. a. F- it's a, The idea that. No, oh, guy. Okay. Oh, um. It, it's essentially like. Yeah, it's like actually a key distinction because, if the main focus is just. A horizontal relationship, even though both of you have a vertical relationship, so horizontal is person to person vertical is person to god and so if both of you have a vertical relationship and that's not the focus like that's not clearly recognized in how you relate with each other it's going to affect it and it's going to stunt this huge potential for growth because it's like the reality is is the, be- the ability to fellowship with one another as christians is very is just like such a blessing and we don't really realize that we like, we either take it for granted or don't do it, um, but the thing is, is it's, like, that is one of the main opportunities the Lord gives us to grow in holiness and grow in understanding because you can, like, as iron sharpens iron, like, as one person can build the other person up, and, yeah, there's just, there's so much potential because we're going at it together. That's what, I mean, that's why I was made that way so in a way it is it is easier
2: yeah and one has to be the prime narrative and i think if you really get into that when you this is kind of a a touchy subject but you really get into that when you look at um relationships that seem that seem bigger than the church so family is a big one right so it's like this is my brother and because it's my brother then I'm willing to um, betray the understanding of the church in certain areas so I'm not going to talk to my brother about where he's sinning because that's my brother you know or that's my sister or that's my mom or that's my dad like you really see that in family relationships um, or sometimes with significant others it's like I'm not going to betray the things that as a church we stand for because that would be betraying my family, and I need to be good with my, I need to be good to my family, or I'm not going to betray the things that as a church we stand for, um, because I'm on this sports team with this person. I mean, it's a it's a true thing, you know. Um, and so that's to me that's like, and sometimes to to people that's like an even harsher betrayal of mm-hmm. relationship than than betrayal of of the church, but one is the like you know eternal kingdom and then the other is just a really small facet impactful, meaningful, all of these things significant, even god-ordained but still a small facet of who we're supposed to be Um, yeah, so to me, I see that a lot in relationship Um, have you guys had to make any choices like that?
3: I mean, the thing is, is it's like they shouldn't be in conflict I think is the real issue Mm -hmm. like your relationship with your family like if it's like the family is built upon the foundation of God's truth that shouldn't be in conflict with a church that's built on the foundation of God's truth and so ultimately like yeah everything is it's like the family is supposed to be uh, a ministry unit within the church and the church is supposed to the local church is supposed to represent the universal church and so it's like members of a body, right? Like the arm and the leg and mm-hmm. those sorts of things. And so it's like the arm shouldn't be fighting the leg. If your arm's fighting your leg, you have a problem. Right. <laughs> and so when there's dysfunction, where essentially the family is being prioritized above the church or, or uh, like essentially if something's being prioritized over one another, that assumes that those are in mm-hmm. conflict. And if those are in, are in conflict, there's other issues going on in addition to the prioritization because ultimately i don't think you should have to choose between those. yeah
2: it's like asking for special relationships to like special pleading really of a relationship to to say like i'm going to create special rules for this relationship and when you do that then that's a problem like i'm thinking about the arm shouldn't what you were saying the arm shouldn't be in conflict with the leg um Unless there's a problem with the leg, right? Right.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: if there's a problem with the leg, like you have like a nasty ingrown toenail or something, the then the hand has a responsibility to cut it out. That's a terrible example. Yeah, I, was, I was
6: thinking more like the <laughs> guy in Australia who got his hand stuck in a rock and he had to saw it off. Yeah. yeah. his James, hand wasn't going. You're talking about
1: her. James Franco?
6: Yeah, James Franco.
1: <laughs> yeah. But you, you understand
2: you understand my point sometimes we do need to be in conflict and that right. should always depend on the survival of the whole right and the whole is defined as the body of Christ and so if Christ is the definition by which the whole defines itself then it shouldn't be the family because then that would be defining you know the whole body of Christ as you know the foot you know so i mean that's a problem and i think that's something that Christians really face especially like a, your guys' age that's something that Christians really face when they're in academia right and so it's a question of um, like when you look at Christians in schools do you do you guys find that it's easy to find the other Christians in the schools and that you are a uh, that you are a unit of Christians within your school or is it more like you are autonomous, you know, non. I I don't know. Do you yeah. understand what I'm saying? Like, is it easy? like, are you guys it one body like, in school?
1: Yeah, yeah. Or are you all on, on your own out there?
2: Yeah. Is it the wild wild west? It's it wild, I wild west. My, Really? Yeah. The <laughs> yeah, yeah. I
1: can. I don't know. I mean, I I, would say I didn't go to school the same time you did, but I'm trying to like be honest with my my memory, which sucks. But, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like. I feel like when I was in high school like th- the people that were Christian um, they kind of clustered mm-hmm. but I don't know how um, vulnerable and deep they were <clears throat> but I think that they they gravitated toward each other naturally on some level again like whatever that mean like that, that maybe was really shallow I don't I don't know because I wasn't part of part of that that group and I wasn't you know a christian back then but um yeah i don't know what is your experience those of you that are currently in school
2: well my experience dating back to the 1950s
3: (laughs) um he went to school he's talked
2: so (laughs) i was i was in high school and my first year of high school was 1994 and uh so back when i was in high school what i remember and i think it's still true is that you could be christians but that was secondary unless there was like some persecution and even then you generally weren't christians together um unless you were a specific type of christian so like basically you are so the relationship that matters is the click relationship if you're on a sports team for instance it didn't matter if if a jock was picking on a nerd. It didn't matter if the jock and the nerd were both Christians. Mm. Uh, so, <laughs> but uh, that was that was my experience. Unless of course it's a pr- uh, like prayer around the flagpole, which I don't know if that still happens. But <laughs> That's not allowed yeah, anymore. Yeah, that it's sounds like princessed. So so Christians so <laughs> the Christians would come and they pray around the flagpole like once a year or whatever to show how Christian they were. And then, um, and then there was like a specific type. Like there were specific groups that were known for being more Christian than other groups. Yeah. So, like the choir kids, they were always more Christian. Uh, but Ours
3: was always more gay.
2: Well, that's how it is. That's how it was. that's how it was in theater. That's how it was in theater. Um, but the choir kids, they were always more Christian. And then the the football team usually had, like, a Christian consensus or whatever. But, but generally, like, if you were going to, but then you had your after-school programs where you'd have Christians meet in some classroom where a teacher was supposedly Christian, maybe, too. <laughs> but generally, there wasn't, like, a real relationship. And it's like, if you talk to each other in that group, you don't really talk to each other outside that group. I don't. I don't know what your guys' experience is. I know you're... You don't have an experience. Home
0: awesome. school.
6: Right. Yeah, everyone How's in my home out? school is...
1: <laughs> everyone in your home How is school is the Christian? community centers, Jasmine? <laughs> oh,
6: no, the community centers. I
1: don't remember. I Come was on. 11.
6: I was socially awkward. I am socially It's just... It's continuing. It never worked. It never worked. Well. <laughs> but at work, I can talk about work, because I worked for... At Coles for a solid six months, and... <laughs>
3: We're proud of her. Yes, <laughs> proud of
6: me. Um, but basically, for the first like three months, I was just I was pouting about working there because I didn't like it. I didn't like the people there. But then I basically made it a point to use that as a point of ministry versus being pouty. And then I did find like a couple people who were Christian, but it was. You, it's really something you, it's like you don't tell anyone, like don't tell anyone unless you mention it and then they would say that? The, no one said that. But oh. that was like the oh, that's actually about like a rule no, at school. No, really?
2: You said that's how people are at school?
5: No, that's actually a rule at school. You can't talk about being Christian or anything with Christianity. Don't, don't talk, us, to don't them tell.
2: tell Yeah. <laughs> right. I don't to it. Oh.
5: Changed,
2: changed quite a bit since the nineteen
5: nineties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, only some only some people are like stingy about it. Like, I don't know. I had a conversation in math class, like um, about abortion, mm-hmm. and uh, she told us to not have that conversation like three times, or to have it like outside your, of the classroom. Your teacher, yeah. And then the next table over uh, was also starting to have a conversation about Christianity. She didn't do anything.
2: That's weird. Yeah, I don't think they can actually do that. Because it's, it's teachers can't put onto the students, but oh students have the freedom of speech.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So I, I suppose they can say that you have to be quiet.
0: They don't you know, like offending class, but... people.
2: Right, right. They're so scared. Right.
5: Which is why we have to be very careful about our
0: words.
2: Yes. Yeah. So then what, <laughs> what do you do about that if you want to build... What do you do about that? If you want to build a relationship with, if you get um, on your, if you can count, like how many deep Christian relationships would you say you have in your school?
5: Um, like
2: one. That you personally have. Like one. So your boyfriend.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: okay. <laughs> so shout out to Isaiah, you made it on the list. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, like, does that bother you?
5: Um. Not really, because, I mean, I've met Christians at the school, but it's, like, every time I've met a Christian at school, it's always been, like, surface level, so, I don't know, and it's not people I'm usually gravitated to, like, it's usually someone that's, like, doesn't know really anything about Christianity. Like,
2: so they're more, like, cultural yeah. Christians.
5: Yeah. So, yeah. And then it's, like, I still had tried to have a relationship with them, but... I don't know. Yeah. And then we also have a thing at school to where, um, yeah, we have our own Christian meeting group at school, which is, like, some sports thing, I think. Sports mm-hmm. I don't know. I get texts about it. it, it happens sports? on Tuesdays in the morning.
2: Hmm. Have you ever thought of going and checking it out?
5: Yeah, that's why I get texts about it. Oh. But I don't want
2: to. And you just haven't yet. How come?
5: Because I don't believe it's actually going to be that relational Mm -hmm. and i can spend my time with people that would actually like grow from things that i like help push them towards
2: so do you think besides you and the boy do you think that there are others in your school who feel the same way that you do
5: uh i think there could be but i haven't really met them there's, like, 2,000-something people at my school.
0: So yeah.
5: I think there's bound to be a few.
2: <laughs> I wonder I wonder if you could, like, just like a band. You know, like, you put up a flyer that's, like, looking for a drummer, but you're, like, looking for,
1: like... But there's always a what? Some
2: <laughs> a
0: what? Somebody forward. who wants
2: to go deeper than
6: looking for you
1: know. a real friend. Looking for a real friend. Oh gosh. Yeah, that
3: is too on the mark, man. Like people are going to get triggered. It shouldn't waiting
6: to happen. <laughs> uh-huh. Based on a real life story. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Looking for a real red friend. This girl from Mean Girls
1: who doesn't even go here. Right. I love my part. Um. Uh, audience member asked do you think that keeping a biblical a biblical worldview versus a non-biblical worldview can be easier in relationship in some instances
3: no like i was saying earlier like you're actually working together which means you are you have a common goal and so you're working towards something and it's based on god it's who is the creator of the universe and so if you're working together in accordance with God's <laughs> intentions, things just naturally go better for you because you're not fighting against reality. And so, and with that, like, true collaboration, you can really grow. And so, I mean, yeah, I, I, there's something else I was thinking of that I forgot but I was the last part, but essentially that.
2: Yeah, obviously it can be easier, but it, it, sounds, it sounds weird to say, but it takes work for it to be easier. Um, it's kind of like working out, right? It's like when you first start working out, you are only able to lift so much. The more you work out, the more you are disciplined about it, the more that you can lift, and what you... If you go back and you lift, you know, the five pound weight, that would be terrible. But the five pound weight yes. that you couldn't lift when you started, <laughs> that is going to be much easier. So it's like that. So, yes, it can be easier.
3: It's okay. Right. I, I just remember what I was going to say. It's also easier because then you have the ability to together rely on the power of the Holy Spirit rather than just your own power. Right. That makes things a lot easier <laughs> in, a, like, in a sense. it's a It's a... It's an easiness because it's you actually have the potential to do um, what is actually good and worthy of your time, and you have the ability to, um, to, to yeah, it's essentially to do that, and, um, and and you're not relying purely on your yourself alone. You're relying on the power of God, and you're being helped by another person who is also seeking that. That that's a lot. It's it's going to be really difficult because you are fighting against something else. At that point, you then are, are fighting against sin of, life, of the flesh, sin from, like, temptations from the world and Satan. And and so you're going to be fighting new armies, essentially, but you have the power of God. So
2: So the, the question specifically was asking about non-believers. Okay. Um, so to address that, yes, again, I I still think it would be easier, but you're going to have to do harder work. The thing is, is that Christianity is reasonable, and the institutes of Christianity are reasonable. And so it, what I mean by that is, it is meant to be what's best and useful for us. Um, the the things that God reveals to us in Scripture is meant to be what's best and useful for us. And so when we start acting that way, it, it works regardless of whether we believe or the other person believes it. It's also really convincing. Um, so, for instance, if you have a bad relationship with your parents and your parents are non-believers and you're a believer, if you start acting the way that Jesus would act to your parents, it's very convincing to them that they should at least treat you with the level of respect how hard is it for how so the scripture says that we're supposed to have specific attitudes and then it says against these things there are no laws right against the fruit of the spirit there are no laws and that's the thing like if you're acting with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and you know forgiveness and self-control if you're acting this way towards somebody and you're treating them the way that you would want to be treated which hopefully isn't masochistic or sadistic
0: hopefully.
2: hopefully then they're going to want to be around you they're going to like the way that you treat them and they're going to treat you in kind even without understanding why that works um, and oftentimes it is I think and this is kind of what Hayden was saying is it's a testament um to the other person of the supremacy of your belief system. In other words, if you treat people as the scripture says that you should, regardless of whether they believe it, mm-hmm. and you leave the door open for that type of treatment, then that can actually bring them into Christianity. And yep. It's like one of the most effective ways, like, why are you treating me this way, even mm-hmm. though that's not the rules of the game? So, but does it take more work? Yeah, it does take more work. It's also the most noble work. It's literally the work of Christ. Like, that's exactly what Christ did. There were no believers before Christ. There were people who had faith in, in God, so there were, like, truth seekers. There were people who believed in God, but they didn't understand anything until Christ, and and actually not really until after him. Okay. So, yeah, it's his work on the cross, where he died for sinners. All of us were sinners. So the idea that, you know... We need to be willing to die for each other as long as we recognize that we are that the relationships we have are with people who have the same mentality as us. That's not really the Christian message. You know what I mean? The Christian message is, I die for you regardless, and, and especially in the footsteps of my Lord, which is, you know, you're, if you're a sinner, I'm going to die for you. That's exactly what, what Christ did. So...
4: Yeah, I find it really interesting, um, I've had those conversations with, like, non-believers, um, they want nothing to do with God, and, um, like, we've talked about, like, conflicts, and, you know, I would talk to them about, you know, basically, like, the core values of, you know, what the Bible teaches, and they're just like, that's amazing, and it's like, okay, well, that's found in the Bible, like, that's not me, and, it's just interesting that they're so open to it um, if it's, you know, presented in one way. But, like, if it's specific to God, it's kind of like they shut down. Um, mm-hmm. But it's really interesting because, yeah, it's it's reasonable. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
2: Are you guys afraid to say in a... Um, so, spe- like, speaking... Like to what you were speaking about about whether there are Christians who want deeper relationship in a two thousand person school. Um, are you afraid to say to a person who claims to be Christian, "Hey, we should be treating each other this way," and so I'm just going to like be that way to you. You know, what do you guys think about that? Or like in a youth group, that's my example. Like you're talking about the two thousand person school. My example is in a youth group because, you know, I grew up in youth groups. And I'll be honest, no offense to youth groups, but they're terrible. Uh, and you will find no such thing as youth ministry in the Bible. Just saying. Um, so so with that said, like, uh, oftentimes they're, like, really terrible to each other, like the kids in the youth group. Um, but have you guys given a lot of thought to just being... An example of the relationship that Christ wants us to have, even with the people that claim Christianity but aren't really good Christians.
5: Well, yeah, because like Caitlin was saying, iron sharpens iron. So, I mean, in turn with helping them grow in their faith, like, and pushing for that relationship, and like teaching them like what a relationship would be. Like, it's also like Preparing you to do that with, like, other people and, like, it helps you learn more about relationship and, like, yourself because you're trying to, like, teach other people that. So,
2: yeah. Do it's, you think, then, that you'll ever attend that meeting? I have no idea. Because a place like that would be a good place to start, right? Yeah. And I think that that's true of churches in specific. Like, a lot of people so there a lot of people will leave a church specifically because the relationships are dysfunctional. I try to remember Gomer. Do you guys know who Gomer is? Um, Gomer was a whore Mm -hmm. that was married to Hosea.
3: I knew.
2: Yeah. (laughs) So in in any case, uh, but their relationship is an example. Um, and I try to remember the fact that Christians, that the, basically the bride of Christ is ugly so and as a shepherd like that's my like that's my role like that's my responsibility to love christians the way that christ would love them but we just we forget sometimes and so a lot of times people will especially in this day and age with cars uh a lot of times people will like jump churches you know and they'll just they'll church shop and church hop and and, were you going to say something?
6: No, I was just like, yes, that is true, with cars. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: got really excited.
2: <laughs> but yeah, a lot of times people will jump churches, not because the doctrine's wrong, but because people have dysfunctional relationships. Mm-hmm. And Christians are not called to, to leave relationships. They're called to call each other to, uh, what is the term? Better. Yeah, admonish. <laughs> they're called to admonish each other to say hey this isn't in line with this isn't in line with what the type of relationship we're supposed to have so we need to have a correct relationship with each other and that starts with me it doesn't start with you like you know it starts with me having the right type of relationship with you and 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 hopefully you you'll fall in line and that means like taking off the table the idea of church divorce that's really what it is like divorcing yourself from a church or you know and just being able to say hey we are brothers and sisters in Christ and that is not something that goes away simply because I don't like you very much I think it's okay for the record to say to another believer I don't like you very much I think that you're a dick um, I think that that's okay to say uh, as long as what comes with it is I want to like you <laughs>
1: I was just thinking about how you were saying you don't have a lot of friends <laughs> <laughs> just, and now we <laughs> know I'm just kidding obviously I know like, you know we want we but it's true like man people with they, they frustrate the hell out of you with the way they act and who they are and just I don't mean I'm constantly like <laughs> I'm a, I don't stay in this place millennial. no I don't stay <laughs> in this place <laughs> because I'm not supposed to but I like think sometimes like, man, if it wasn't for mm-hmm. our relationship in the church, I would not be. <laughs> I would not be friends with you. Like mm-hmm. you're too much work, or you are just completely overwhelming for me, or any number like any number of things. And it's just like, or you're just not likable. Like like you're saying, like mm-hmm. kind of a dick. Like screw you. I don't want to be around you. That that would be like, my my, my, flesh. my yeah yeah my flesh, exactly. So but, yeah.
4: You can love someone but not necessarily like them.
0: Yeah. Although right. I think you
2: should be you should always want to like them. Yeah.
0: And I think and I think
2: <laughs> the end goal is always going to be that you do like them. I think that, that mm-hmm. I think that in relationship that is a hope that is a reasonable hope in Christ. Mm-hmm. I think that that's that some people Sometimes people don't think that. Like, they think in their mind that really oneness in Christ means that one day, yeah, we're all going to die, but they're going to have their part in, in the new heaven and the new yeah. earth. And, and we'll else, never have to
1: see them. I'm
6: going to have my <laughs> own room, and it's going to be decked out. There's not going to be any windows, so no one can come see me. Dream yeah. Pig.
1: Your own room, huh? Dream pig. Oh, There's going to be room. A
3: lamp. Little dreams.
6: Or big dreams, depending on
3: yeah, and that's the thing, one of the other things I was trying to remember to bring up earlier is that, the, the going back to the article. <laughs> um, <we laughs> right, the article. <laughs> Whoa. Is that um, it was talking about like, well, you just need mm. to like do what's best for yourself, right? And it's like, no, the, it's the exact opposite. It's you want to do what's best for furthering the gospel and furthering the kingdom. And that requires love agape love, which is like what Jen and Josh were just talking about is that it's like, it's not self-seeking. In fact it, it, it hopes that there would be enough reconciliation that you would be able to appreciate the person for who they are. Mm-hmm. And that's it's the opposite of the, what the world will tell you. The world will tell you to seek yourself and to seek your, the betterment of yourself. And if other people come into that picture, great but only if they benefit you. And it's like, no, that's that's just not how it works like and you'll see yeah, that's why I was saying earlier that it just doesn't because that's God's plan for, for for us when we try and go against that you just end up alone like that's the thing is you're, yeah. you're either end up, if you're you're either a wealthy like manipulative person <laughs> <and> <laughs> or you you end up alone and so it's like your choice <laughs> like
2: yeah and it's regardless of whether you're in the church. There's exactly. so yeah. many people who end up in, just basically alone. Whether it's in ministry or whatever, it's like they end up that old crotchety person that's in the church.
3: Get off my lawn!
2: You know, that, that care more about the placement of a chair in the church or like whether, or, you know, how a specific room is used than than they care about whether a person is starving, hungry, mm-hmm. you know is in need of some emotional care it's like yeah. their concern is their concern and that's it and and that's a really it's a really sad thing and the church itself is not it's not immune to that relationship has to be for intent and we have to have a hope for it even even within the church because it's we just can't take it for granted
3: True your relationship starts at the end of yourself hmm. i mean if you're if you're t- if you're coming into relationships thinking about because even if you're not like oh well I'm not going to try and manipulate this person I'm not going to try them as just uh, a mere means to an end if your intent is not if your intent is still something about yourself it's going to you're going to end up pursuing that because that's what your flesh wants and so you have to like take up your cross daily and reject that daily or you will slip back into it.
6: Yeah, I think it's interesting just, like, the how the world defines good friendship because at the same time that they're trying to say, you know, you have to make sure that you find someone who's, like, worthy, who's going to put effort in you and, like, spend time with you. Like, at the same time, it's also... But make sure it's furthering your goals and you don't necessarily have to do the exact same thing for that person because, you know, it's all about getting out of the relationship where you can get out of it. And at the end of the day, like... Hopefully there would be some guilt there, <laughs> like, oh, this person is being nice to me.
3: I'm leeching off of them.
6: <laughs> <laughs> I can just be a leech, and everything is terrible. Yeah,
2: I think that uh, I think that a lot of it has to do with being eternally minded mm-hmm. um, and understanding and taking joy in the larger aspect of our faith, which allows us to to understand that for us the first fruits of a harvest aren't necessarily the harvest itself and so it's like like basically if somebody else partakes in the first fruit of the harvest like that's cool because everybody reaps the harvest so if you put into a relationship and you don't get anything out of it because maybe you're the one who plants the seed or waters the seed but you're not the one who actually harvests the crop like somebody else will get that first fruit but you are going to t- partake in, in in the crop um, you're just not going to partake in it in this life and so understanding that it's not all about this life right is is a huge aspect of it and people they just don't think that big hmm. um they just you know everything is about this life hmm. so and that's yeah that's, and that's a huge aspect and
3: that's of why it. i think that's one of the reason, main reasons why i think agape love doesn't it makes no sense in a in a secular mindset because it's
2: yes, foolish to the world. Yeah,
3: it's completely ridiculous. It it's like, small to the world. oh yeah, because mm-hmm. it's like, why would I Why would I ever do that? This life is all I have. Like, you have 80 years and then you're dead. It's like, well, th- pause and think about that for a moment. <laughs> um, and then secondly, it's like, it, it makes sense why there's so many Christians that are susceptible to it. Because there's so many Christians that are susceptible to forgetting eternality and having an eternal mindset. Right. Because if you don't have an eternal mindset, you're going to get bogged down. You're going to get bogged down in worry going to get bogged down in like the the temporal muddiness of it and you're going to like it's going to seem pointless because like you're saying you often won't reap the benefits of it Mm -hmm. you may not even see that like what you actually did actually benefited that person Mm -hmm. and that will really weigh down on you if you're not remembering that hey god is the one who's going to bring about the harvest and i might not see it and that's okay Mm like yeah even if you think of like the way that christ
6: died for us he did not see the benefit for that immediate like at the time that he died for like sinners people were being really mean like really terrible that's,
0: <laughs> that's that's understatement, understatement of the year i know but oh,
6: so mean. people were so, <laughs> mean. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so
6: mean but you know like People were not treating him the way that he should have been treated, that anyone should have been treated. And at the same time, like, he had to have that internal mindset and go through that suffering. Like, we keep saying, like, you have to bear that cross and, like, take it like take it on for that person. If I got lost in my train of thought, I got too
0: amped up. No,
2: but you, you're right, though. And even take it, like, theologically, even Christ himself doesn't actually know when that harvest takes place. Yeah. That's what's interesting. He doesn't know the day or the hour of his return until he's told, you know,
3: it's now. In the Godhead, <laughs> let's go. Yeah, rock and roll.
2: So even so even theologically, like he's basically waiting on the patience of God that all people will be saved. That's that's essentially the the theology of it. So I think that's a sound point.
6: There was a point there.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Wow, that really diverged from the question.
3: Do we have yes, other questions about this article?
1: Um, just like, I, I, th- I think we... Exhaust- we covered them. Or yeah. we exhaust- you know, our questions of how it's. we have an internal and external um, approach to the, to the yeah. question, you know, how do we deal with it internally and how do we deal with it externally to a world that doesn't hold the same world view. Uh, But Unless you guys want to shed more light on that or think we've done it. Have I've it oh, that water is very,
2: very loud.
3: Sorry. It's also dangerous because I'm pouring water next to all of the
1: technology. I'm going <laughs> to skip the second article because it's too... In, it's too the same thing. It's too similar. All yeah. right. Uh, so we're the th- already
2: an hour in, so I think we're okay. We're safe yeah. to do
6: that. Yeah. Keep <laughs> talking. Two
1: Sorry, questions. people. Got it. Don't hate us. <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. Okay, um, so the third article has to do with... Secrets mm-hmm. in relationships. Um, yeah. So I think Jasmine will post the, post the article. Here's a short paragraph. Um, every so there's a there's several anecdotes that this writer gave. Uh, this or this maybe they're like a psychologist or something. They are and um, talking about the effects that secrets have um, within relationships and you know the inter workings mm-hmm. of that. Every family keeps secrets, usually about things they consider shameful. A successful businessman loses his job and pretends to his family that he's still working. A brother and sister won't let their school friends visit, afraid their mother will be passed out drunk on the couch. If you have a secret of your own, you know that often they've created, they are created with the best of intentions, the desire to protect ourselves or others, but maintaining them requires lies and subterfuge to get in the way of clear and meaningful communication. Problem solving becomes impossible when crucial subjects can't be discussed. Family conversations become stifled and trivial. Fear replaces ease. Those privy to a secret become uncomfortably bound to one another while those outside it feel excluded, though they might not know why. Um, Yeah, we can, secrets involve shame, et cetera, et cetera. Um, We don't really have a pointed question um, in regards to this article, but um, basically what's your guys' experience with that been? secrets.
2: So what are the ways in which we deal with it internally, externally? Can you r- Oh,
1: the, the three like the you know, three questions. Yeah. Three questions. Um how would Christ and the apostles speak to the issue? How do we in the church address something like this? And then externally, how should the church speak to a non-believing world about something like this? Those are our three, you know, framework questions. Try to keep it to that skeleton, but yeah. So the issue of secrets
2: Well, I mean, I can I can say that secrets within the church is definitely a it's something it's something that's coming to a head mm. in this day and age, especially because of our freedom of information. I suppose
0: right.
2: um, in regard to sort of the nasty secrets <coughs> that are kept by the church. So whether it's you know the Roman Catholic Church, I think <clears throat> the the archdiocese in New York. Um, which, you know, I went to their, their church building, um, this last January, February, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, but the Archdiocese in New York just released a list of, like, priests that they had investigated and said were, like, these are, like, legitimate problems. Um, so they just released that to the public. There's the whole thing with—is it the Southern Baptists? Yeah, yeah. It's the Southern Baptists. Uh, same sort of thing. So I know, in terms of like secrets, that way, that's it's becoming more of an issue as to how we should deal with secrets. But yeah, I don't know if that speaks to it at all.
3: I mean, the way I th- first thought of it was on a more like very more local level of like secrets i think often are the result of relationships not having a fuller development because if you don't have a fully like a, a relationship that's developed to the point where you can actually be vulnerable with one another about important issues like i was saying earlier you're naturally going to have certain things you're not going to share with them and if those develop like into something where it's like no i'm i'm actively going to <clears throat> not share that with them i have I'd make that the point of it being a secret at that point. um Well, yeah, like, no wonder that would cause further strain on the relationship. Because suddenly it's like you're avoiding certain topics and the other person doesn't know why. And it seems like you're keeping them out of the loop and stuff. It's like, well, yeah, and then they don't feel like you trust them. And no wonder the relationship doesn't develop further. So it's like a self perpetuating cycle. um And so just having a clear idea of, like, is this something that would there are complicated scenarios like the 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 mom that's passed out drunk on the couch and it's like like do i go and tell all of my friends about that like (laughs) that's not something that like has to come up all the time like and then at the same time there's that idea of like um being able to recognize in friendships and stuff um when those things are probably should be shared Mm -hmm. that sort of thing because when you are able to share those sorts of things it actually often develops the relationship because that level of trust is shown on your part the other person really says like oh they they trust me yep. and so when you express that then guess what they're more likely to trust you and if someone actually trusts you guess what they'll actually tell you what their needs are and then you can actually support them because like i was saying earlier oh yes you can support people but honestly people are pretty closed off about their problems a lot of the time mm-hmm. or they're yeah. super vocal about them it's usually an extreme.
6: Yeah, if there's two, <laughs> yeah, they're really.
3: It's like you either know all of their problems or none of them.
2: So I mean, most of you guys are pretty fresh out of, out of. Kidhood. I don't know what
3: that is. Childhood?
2: well, yeah, Kidhood? I, to... I don't want to say childhood because like it seems too
3: young.
1: Younghood makes it sound so <laughs> <laughs> much to
2: them. Oh, I just love
1: kidhood. Yeah. Young, <laughs> adolescents.
0: I
2: will try not to articulate myself. Um, Sorry. But most of you are, are just becoming adults, if not barely have become adults. Um, and so, my question is, how has that mentality affected you guys in terms of in terms of your relationship when you can tell like adults are talking about certain things you know that could be meaningful maybe they're not um but then you're like purposefully and knowingfully kept out of the loop of it you know the the earmuff mentality um both within the church, outside the church, in your family. How has that affected relationship for you guys? What is what's your feelings on it?
3: That's always been like a pet peeve of mine, like especially like when I was really really young, because adults are talking or whatever, or like the family members would like spell out the word.
1: because I thought I
3: couldn't oh, yeah. read. Oh my god. <laughs> and I'm like, And I and I I could, so it's
1: an insult to. And I could, or they're like
3: Caitlin, plug your ears, and I'm like, and like when I was younger, I didn't like think much of it, but it was like an insult to my intelligence. And then like when I was like a preteen, like late elementary and preteen, I'm like, I, like, I didn't realize it now, but essentially what I was hoping for is it's like, how am I going to learn to deal with these adult issues? Like, am I just going to at some point at eighteen just be thrust into adulthood? Like, maybe it doesn't have to be, they don't have to know all of the the nasty details of every situation, but being able to talk to your children about, like, hey, this is essentially what we're going through right now, this is what we're thinking about that, that's, like, that's a freaking perfect teaching moment, like... That's, what, uh, that's the first thing that comes to my mind is it's, that's a teaching moment. Like, mm-hmm. this is actually... Guess what? We're, we're your parents. We actually struggle with stuff.
1: I uh, like. <laughs> I got pulled over on the way... I came back from cabin this weekend, whatever. Uh, and I got pulled over on the way there. And I got a freaking ticket. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> which sucks, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, and my son was, like, worried. Like... Uh, We're getting pulled over, and uh, you know, cop comes up, and nice cop, and everybody does this thing, and you know, I get a ticket, and then um, yeah, like it was. I thought it was an awesome (laughs) teaching moment, if not a crappy moment personally. Yeah. Um, But uh, yeah, like it's like you're saying, like it's. I look forward to those 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 teaching moments. Um, But sorry to steal your steal your momentum. No, it's a perfect it was, analogy, but it, was, yeah. it was a moment where I True. could have been like, oh, no, don't worry about it all, everything's fine, you know, don't worry oh, about it, yeah. son. But I was like, no, like, I broke the law, like, I wasn't paying attention, that's not an excuse, like, and I got a consequence for it, and it's good, because now I know, like, reminder, don't be lazy and, you know, all these different things, and, yeah, it's good. I um, I was just thinking about um, one of our questions: how would you deal with a non-believing world? You know, we're talking about secrets. Um did you guys? Uh, did you guys ever watch? No, you did Did you guys ever watch Sons of Anarchy? No,
5: I've seen how a couple would, episodes of
1: it. Well, great show. Watch it. <laughs> uh, how I would tell the non-believing world about secrets would be to watch that show because secrets. Can oh, and what they do. Secrets kill people. <laughs> like oh that gosh. show. Is that's all, true. There's that show is like. Extremes. That's how I define that show. Is. It's a show about secrets that could have been avoided and (laughs) lives could have been saved.
2: Of course, you can get the same extremity by watching *King of Queens*. Yeah, where, where (laughs) subject matter too. Right, but it's true. Like almost every sitcom, for instance, is based upon people Mm -hmm. either telling secrets or having miscommunication. Yeah,
6: Yeah. and this this is why I
3: can't watch the sitcoms.
6: It's 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 secondhand like awkwardness, like.
2: Uh, Yeah, where somebody doesn't want to tell the whole story, uh or they don't want to offend. And
4: then it's dramatic irony. Certain people don't. But it's a
2: true reflection of what we have to deal with, and I would say that's especially within Mm -hmm. the church. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's just, you know, for people that don't know, Aletheia, the church that puts this particular resource on, um, is... our leadership has has basically a structure of Yeah, there's a a In case you forgot. Um, <laughs> our our leadership has a basic understanding that you don't keep secrets. There are things which are which are private, um, and therefore should be shared with discretion. Right. But Weird. but you don't keep secrets. Mm-hmm. Um, and because secrets are built out of a mistrust, basically. Um and and I can tell you like straight up in counseling with me if I'm going to counsel somebody, I will flat out tell them, like, "Don't ask me to keep your secret because I'm going to do with your secret what I want to." And so, if you don't want my, if you don't want my interaction, then just don't tell me because I, I do what I want to. I do what I think is useful for for you, and and you're coming to me because you don't know what's useful for you. So I'm not going to let you define that information for me. Um, I think that that I think that that is the biblical method. I think that. It, that there are that we should be able to keep things private if it's necessary, but it but we should always do with information what's useful. And I think that you know even in our law, uh, there there are certain things where it's like where people are like mandated reporters, for instance, and they they can keep secrets up to the point where it's not going to be harmful. Um, so. Anyway, but I, I'm thinking about that in regard to church structures and where you find a lot of sin hiding is where churches are allowed to keep secrets at a certain level. So whether it's, you know, keeping a pastor's salary secret or keeping, um, you know, relationships secret or or keeping even information closed off to this section of the church unless they are this way like we have meetings for instance as an eldership here our our elder meetings are essentially invite only but our conversations are not secret you know so yeah um
3: so you, like, have the meeting notes available to people? or If,
2: if we remember to keep meeting notes. <laughs> um, but we, do, we, don't, uh, we don't shy away from talking with people about it. Uh, basically, every right. elder meeting that we have is meant to, uh, at some point, be addressed with the congregation. Right. Um, because the congregation needs to know. And, and I, I parent that way, too. Um, there are things where I'm, like, careful with how I present things to my kids because they can only handle so much, right? Right. But I'm not going to keep a secret from them. I might not share something with them uh, because they can only handle so much. But, but as a matter of principle, like if they find out about it, I'm not going to lie to them. I'm not going to be like, you know, "Oh no, that's just this." or <laughs> just, Mommy and Daddy were just wrestling as a terrible one. Um, <laughs> oh my god! <gosh>. It's <laughs> <laughs> not thinking. the most PG. Where's the, I was where's the, the I was sound, bit? A, I was where's the sound bit? This, this one right here.
0: The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Laity Bible Fellowship. You are listening oh. to the Vigilance oh. Radio Network. <laughs>
2: yeah. Anyway, uh, but yeah, and and I think that a lot of times our growth as Christians does come from people trusting us with information, even if it's. Even if it's in the way that we, even if it's in a way that people can handle that information, that's that's the main thing, right? It's It doesn't have to be you need to know everything, but you need to you need to know that something is safe to talk about. Um, because like as adults looking at younger people, they're going through it too. Uh, like I can tell you like that, from being an adult and from being a, a younger person, like, I understand both positions, and it really goaded me. It really, like, really bugged me when the adults in power would treat the young people like they didn't, that they weren't going through it, too. Like, they couldn't, like, the tension wasn't culpable. Like, it wasn't something that could be cut through with a knife. It's like, we all knew that bad stuff was happening.
3: Right, and it, it, it fails to respect the fact that children not only have level a certain level of intelligence but also have a certain level like they're just the children are persons and it's like then that they deserve a level of respect and it's like obviously again the way that you interact with them is going to vary because of the reality that you interact with different people differently like that's just you should (laughs) that's just how it's how you should but like the thing is is that doesn't it the idea that it's like oh well we we just need to keep them like not not talk to them about this and and that'll be better for them it's like no they they actually there are a lot of things that um you should be able to talk to them about and be able to trust them like what you were saying essentially
2: yeah so but, is there anything that should be kept secret from a child do you think
3: well kept secret from or like like having very sp- like clear disclosure about
2: Sorry, yeah, I somebody opened a window and I can hear the cars passing by. <laughs> um, sorry, what was the question?
3: So I mean I, I guess are you st- are you still using your distinction of like keeping a secret versus like um, being intentional with what you disclose or and how you disclose? Yeah,
2: it? yeah. Uh, I'm talking about like being kept a secret like we under no circumstances should we tell this person this like the worst one that i've seen like i've actually seen it is we're not going to tell our children that there's a possibility that you know mom and dad are getting a divorce nice um i think that that one's really really dangerous i think the the deeper issue is that you shouldn't be thinking about divorce so that's a whole That's a whole nother issue But like obviously that's something that's meaningful For this child and they see the parents not Interacting with each other and so on and so forth And then all of a sudden they're in a different situation Um I think that that's a big deal I think that's a problem But even like within the church like are Like are there things that Shouldn't be said
3: I mean I guess something I would think of Is like if you had something that you hadn't actually expressed to them, like it, like you were, you had had, um, you'd been thinking about saying something that was wrong to the kid or something. And you don't always have to be like, oh yeah, by the way, I was thinking about um, telling you that you're stupid. Like <laughs> that's probably something you can. You, you can. But you probably secret. wouldn't
2: understand.
6: Yeah, <laughs> you have to keep the secret.
3: Like that's, like so I would say like if you're like if you're like sin- sinning in your mind that's not always something you need to tell mm-hmm.
2: so what about something so. more practical like somebody has committed a sin that is common knowledge amongst the adults but you don't but you're not sure whether a kid should know what do you guys think about that
5: and that's an opportunity for a teaching moment Like, show them like you shouldn't be doing this because mm-hmm. this is what happens.
3: Yeah, especially if it's a relationship. Like, I'm assuming that that implies the kid knows the person. Yeah. That we, yeah. yeah it's yeah. like, that. the kid's going to have to deal with the fallout of that as well. Like, yeah. that person is either, if they were sent against, like, they're going to have to, they're going to be, they might act differently. And it being, understa- being able to understand that, oh, yeah, it's like something wrong was done to them. Or being able to be like, oh, they messed up. And we're going to love them, like, and we've, we've forgiven them, but we're going to have to work through some things with them, because it's, like, how are they going to learn that if they aren't shown it? Right. Like, they're going to deal with that later in life, and how they deal with it is going to reflect, like, what they've been shown.
1: Yeah, better give right. them a safe place to work
3: it out. Right. And rather than confuse them, like most parents do. Exactly, yeah, because th- mm-hmm. th- they're going to deal with it sooner or later, it's just, like, are they going to deal with it functionally and, and and christ-like or are they going to deal with it dysfunctionally and, like the world will tell them to and how like just they will react in the moment like a child has to be trained in like all aspects of life not just how to tie shoe and how to do algebra wow I don't know. <laughs> that's a joke. <laughs> Those are the two things, okay, man. Just, so that's just, okay. it. What are you going to do for teacher. her kids? Don't so.
0: have kids. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
2: So we're pretty sure Caitlin knows how to tie her shoe and do all the
0: things. She at
6: least
1: knows how to tie her shoe.
6: I mean, she's wearing lace shoes, shoes. <laughs> and she was doing that earlier.
1: So. <laughs> um, Another question. That's why it was on my mind. Another question posted in our, in our video comments here. Um, do you have to trust someone to have a relationship with them? No.
3: No? Mm-hmm.
6: I feel yes. like it would be impossible to start any relationships if you automatically had to trust the person <laughs> to
3: right. started a good point. having a relationship.
2: <laughs> I can see why you wouldn't, though, unless you already did. Um, and I think that a biblical, a biblical mindset would be that you trust Christ to make the relationship happen so
3: yeah and i mean that's the thing is that we're commanded to love people but we're not commanded to trust people
2: Hmm.
3: like there's the idea of being like wise as serpents and innocent as doves is it's like we can forgive people because like you're saying if our trust is in christ we can love people unconditionally but that doesn't mean we have to trust them like as like that implies from a worldly sense of oh well clearly they've changed when there's no indication that they have that's just being unwise
2: yeah well and even if it it's 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 an unnatural burden to put a hundred percent trust in somebody like i i don't you know i don't a hundred percent trust my wife like what i trust is that she fails Like, I can always trust her intent, but I can't trust her follow-through because she fails. And I don't want that type of burden placed on me. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a really important thing to understand. Um, And I'm not saying that I don't meaningfully trust her or have a significant amount of trust in her or that so much so that it couldn't be called an absolute trust in any sort of, like, practical means, because I do. I trust her, and I feel I can say that confidently. But if we're going to try to put percentages on it, it could never be a hundred percent, and have that be a right burden placed on her. Right, um,
3: that's just not wise. Because they'll always fail it.
2: Right. Well, because we're human, you mm-hmm. know, we're human. Mm-hmm. We're not. We're not infinite. And yeah, I'm, the f- the very first thing that I always say to a baby, and I always get to. I always get to hold babies because, you know, I'm a pastor. So that's like a, that's an aspect that's of being... That's a thing we do. It's <laughs> a thing that's we a do, right? Holding has a, babies. <laughs> somebody has a baby. <laughs> when somebody has a baby, they invite you over to pray for it. Right. You know, or you invite yourself. Um, right. So, I don't like it or not. And that's always the first thing Call that baby I... Baby. That's always the first thing that I tell a new person when I, when I see them is... Everybody in the world is going to let you down, except for God. We're going to try to do right by you, and you you can trust our intent. Most people, you can trust their intent, but they're all going to let you down. Even me, even your mom, even your dad, but trust God. God will take care of you. And I know people like, I've said that to people before, and they've had like a really hard understanding of it they have a hard time on un- they have a hard time like processing it but it's the truth it's the truth
0: mm-hmm.
1: um have we tapped out our ce- secrets let's um,
0: see
6: i mean i i can speak to the the article on will caitlin <laughs> speaking about the article um you know with secrets and, like, you know, like, the adults are talking. That is something that I experienced a lot in my childhood. And I think just it kind of affected me for a long time and how I interacted in relationships. Like, Mm. I am not a question asker. I will sometimes just be like, oh, no, these people are talking. I can't eavesdrop. Or I'm secretly eavesdropping so no one can know. And, like, it's, you know, it, there's just a lot of different ways that it poorly affected my life. Um, And then I just, yeah. Um, that's it. That's all. That's the end of my statement.
5: <laughs> I'd say it did the same thing for me, too. Like, my parents always kept cigarettes on me. Like, they would never talk to me directly about what was going on in their relationship, especially when I was younger. And then there's also been times where it's like they're outside, and so it's like their separate area, and so it's like, they just act like I wasn't there Mm. I wasn't even asleep so that Mm -hmm. made no sense but like I mean it always caused me it's like I always wondered what they're doing because it's like I was a child and it's like I wanted attention but I mean yeah I also wanted to know what was going in their life because it seemed concerning because it's like they're fighting all the time and so that just causes like that caused me to worry more Like, especially about, like, in relationship now. Like, it causes me to worry more about the relationship. Because, like, if I feel like the slightest thing is, like, not being said, it's like, I kind of, like, worry about it and, like, get up in my head about it now. And so. Yeah.
6: And thinking about, like, how another another way that's affected me
0: uh,
6: um, is just I also really like to know what's going on. Because, you know, when it's the adults are talking or, like, things, like, plans are being made or things are going on and I don't know them. And so I guess it's kind of made me, like, reach for that control and try to, like, keep it at all times so then I get yeah. stressed out. Me too. <laughs> I don't know what's going on.
2: Do you guys, <clears throat> do you think that those adults were trying to stress you out?
6: No. No. They're
3: trying to the do the opposite. opposite. They're yeah.
2: trying right. to keep yeah. you safe. Right, yeah. right, right.
6: But then... If you just try to keep people in a bubble, then you know, they, they're going to have a crappy immune system. <laughs>
3: they're going to have crappy fu- uh, relational functions. Yeah, <laughs>
6: everything's it. It kind of stunts burst. you a little bit because right. you know children, especially, are naturally curious. They na- like they want to know what's going on. They're like, "Why is the sky blue? Oh, why is there a cloud? There's bird." <laughs> so it's it's when you like when you don't encourage that, as annoying as it can be from an adult perspective, <laughs> like it really i don't know it shapes people in a weird way
4: yeah that's the thing is like kids are so much smarter than you think Mm -hmm. than people like like adults want to dumb them down and like keep them children and that's what confuses them and like doesn't set them up for success and i think with the secret thing too it's like yeah it's like they want to protect and that's what they're trying to do but it completely just like not good pieces, backfires. yeah, yeah.
6: And children also act by example. So mm. then, if you know it's adult time, like the adults, I keep saying this, but if adults are you know talking and the kids can't know that, what are the kids going to do when they get older or even now? They're yeah, like, oh, yes, yeah. so the kids They're are talking, the adults can't know. Oh, we can't tell mom and dad, or it's we even like clicks, base. yeah, yeah, even yeah,
2: cl- yeah, they create, yeah, in different subs, um. I'm thinking about my relationship with my daughter, Sophia, um, who is almost seven, which is crazy. Uh, but I remember, so like I said, I don't keep secrets, um, but I will keep things private. and so this wasn't meant to be private, but I, uh, you know, but I'll just be like, I'm working, you know, in having a discussion with her. And I remember one day she was really bothered about what that meant. She, she's, she basically said to me, Working? You're always working. What does that mean? I don't know what that means. You like go away and you're working and I can't talk to you. What does that mean? And it was like really bothersome for her. And so it wasn't meant to be secret and it wasn't meant to be private, but what it was was an oversight on my part as to the way that my lack of interactivity with her was affecting her emotionally. So basically I sat down with her and I explained to her what I was doing in my, in my job and how I was doing it and basically told her, like, I would make sure to, that if she remembered to ask and even if she didn't, I would try to remember to tell her. Now she doesn't ever want to hear what I do. (laughs) (laughs) Makes sense. (laughs) Now she's like, okay, I get it. You're, you're there for me.
6: Yeah.
3: Now I
2: want to go play with my dolls. She doesn't really play with dolls. She plays with action figures. She
6: plays with parties.
2: Sometimes. Nice. Sometimes.
6: get a fashion show. Okay. Yes. And that's sort of a fun Island. thing to
5: do with them. Like yeah.
6: dressing them up or like making It like depends. ...what they do. You can make people do really funny like little story plays. That was
2: fun. Yeah, Just like, like Team America. I used to hang <laughs> my sister's Barbies.
6: Okay.
2: <laughs> and we
3: digress. So, <laughs> relationships.
2: <laughs> Don't
6: hang your sister's Barbies.
3: It'll mess up your relationships. You'll have to keep secrets.
0: Thanks, <laughs> yeah. I'm
2: dad? not keeping secrets on the little, the little punk child that I was.
3: <laughs> Fair enough.
6: <laughs> so. To call my dad out, he apparently used to blow his stepsister's Barbie doll heads off.
2: So. Yep. <laughs> there you go. He <laughs> happens to be another
3: pastor of this church. Yes. <laughs> <by the> <laughs> Come to Alethea, you'll get your Barbies this church. <laughs>
1: Don't
6: bring your Barbies.
1: Uh well we got about thirty minutes left of our allotted time. We can try to tackle this last article which you just posted at the end there, Josh, before we went on about oh.
6: I might
1: have tried to truncate it. Oh
6: might have let's
1: let's tackle it for you know 15 minutes or so um, all right we'll just sort of fumble our way through it um, we'll I'll try to read this pretty quickly so okay, stay with it works me. it used to be pretty easy two people would indicate interest in one another and in some way you would start as friends and at some point you'd ask the awkward question and you'd go on a date and you'd realize you'd have to have that question that conversation too. hey are we dating now that kind of stuff and it just happened somehow it became really, really complicated. And then the part, the patriarchy movement came along with this idea that you needed to do courtship. That was the right way that to do it.
2: Patriarchy.
1: <laughs> then you <laughs> so started the hearing people talk around, about courtship. What that. Dorthip? That's what it says. In which the was some weird new courting that. hybrid and it oh, okay. just became really, difficult. I'm that's the original term. Do I don't know. Well, I think you've got to understand that Satan's great desire for a couple is that they would have as much sex before they get married as possible. He wants couples to bring all sorts of baggage into marriage, to do all sorts of regrettable things. And don't assume that you'll be the one couple or the other, or the one person who never struggles in this way. It's God's good desire that the sexual desire grows throughout your relationship, leading to marriage. In fact, it's more concerning if there is no sexual desire than if there is. So there ought to be a growth of that desire. Yet it ought to be kept under control until it can be consummated with the marriage relationship. Um, Should I keep going or should we go there? I'll keep going. There's only a little bit left. Community is so helpful and appealing to other people. Can you ask us hard questions? That's the best thing you can do. Find an older couple, give them absolute freedom to ask you difficult questions, and then commit between the two of you. And you will always ask... The two of you. You will always ask. No uh, no answer honestly. What?
6: I think that's a bad truncation. (laughs) Okay. My bad.
1: I'll fast forward. Um... How are you doing? Are you behaving? Are you sleeping together? Asking you those blunt questions that will be tremendously, tremendously helpful. I think there's sarcasm there. You can appeal to them. You can ask them for help. You can ask them for prayer. But so much of the Christian life comes down to this. I want to be holy more than I want to sin. So pray that God would give you a deep desire for holiness. Take away the desire of sin. That's a really interesting truncation there. It, it was very fast. <laughs> okay, so we'll try to tackle. There was
6: a point where I noticed secret is not going to be much longer. <laughs> <laughs> I need to re- hurry. So, Read the
1: full article, number one. Yeah, Jasmine posted the full article. I did do that. But, so, what is our understanding and treatment of relationships when it comes to sexuality? We'll just go with the broad, general question. Romantic relationships, (laughs) Romantic relationships, because that's probably what a, a large portion of the audience now and in the future would be interested in, I would imagine.
6: Well, we can just say that the word "dortship" is really
3: romantic. Yeah, <laughs> clearly it's from the Bible. <laughs> <Yeah>. Direct <laughs> translation.
2: Yeah, what does a Christian biblical romance relationship look like to you guys?
3: You're married. I know, I know, <laughs> Way to go! Let's get started.
4: Um. Yeah. So having been in that experience, um. Well. I mean, just as a whole, like, like romantically, or, like, what does that entail?
2: I would say, like, what are the? Yeah, exactly. That's the question. Um. I would say, like, what are the challenges that that you face? In having a biblical romantic relationship, and sorry, I was looking at the computer. <coughs> and, um, and what do you like more than that? Like, what? No, that's the same thing. Yeah, what are okay. the challenges that you've faced, and where have you found successes?
4: Um, well, I mean, I think it's sort of case by case with relationships. It's not all going to be, like, there's not, like, a, you know, guidebook on what to do. Like, there's... People have different, um, limits and boundaries and everything. For me, it was, um, like... Or for us, I guess, it was, like, basically nothing until marriage. Like, we didn't even kiss. Um, and that was challenging. I mean, it's like self-control and you know challenging that and wanting to be with that person but then like and wanting to express that but then also like wanting to be pure before god and um you know obviously that is higher than the first part so yeah
0: yeah
2: (laughs) what was the greatest challenge in that um, like in getting from point A to point B, what would you say was the greatest challenge? Was
1: point B marriage, or
2: all? Yeah, probably. I well, well she—I think she said being pure before God. So I would take it to that, like having a relationship, so a marriage relationship that's pure before God. How? What would you say is the greatest challenge that you face?
4: Uh, like
2: self, or like your like your lust, essentially, or what is put onto you by like society or you know misconceptions about things or i don't know like any thoughts on that
4: um i mean i think probably self is the biggest one um i feel like people thought it was very weird the way that we went about things and we did get married very quickly um so, it's, like, it wasn't, like, years and years. So, I think that people kind of um, thought that was weird, but not that weird, because it wasn't, like, you know, years of doing that. Um, but, um, I definitely think it's not common nowadays, and, yeah.
2: Hayden, i interested to hear from you, because you are basically pretty new <clears throat> to Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And and you, as you said earlier, are in a relationship. How has that been? Because you had relationships before Christ. Yeah. So how has that been?
5: That's where um, society would honestly take a role. Where mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. Um... So, um, yeah, the hardest thing would be our boundaries and, yeah, constantly dealing with those and, like, what's, like, right for our relationships with God and, like, (coughs) and, like, what makes sense for us to, like, keep them at, um, but, uh. Yeah, and that's, yeah, society and lust takes roles in that, like, where it, like, influences where we should be, because, I mean, being in relationships before, it's, like, you feel bad, like, if you don't give that person, like, what you gave those other people, like, Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, that's where it takes a role, but, um. I don't know what else to say.
2: Yeah. Do you find that that, so you still find that that's difficult with, even in a Christian relationship though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. so I, my wife and I, we've been married for 10 years. Before that, we were together for three years and um, before that, I wasn't in a relationship with anybody. Um, and we had a pretty complex set of relationships Rules that we had established over time. And there were... Well, actually, that we established in the beginning. (laughs) And there were moments in time where we... Where I was just like... And I don't think it was really out of lust. um, But where I was like, you know, we could totally not follow through with these rules. And A, nobody would know about it. And B, I'm confident that... Uh, we're going to be married, so what difference does it make? Like marriage is marriage is a relationship between you, God, and that other person. Like if we were on a deserted island today, and we wanted to have sex, and there was and we couldn't escape, would then I be would I be not like married to you, you know? And so, and there was only a couple times in our relationship where we had those conversations, um, but the. The ability to have those conversations and the discipline of anytime you make a decision, it's a decision that's rationally made and not a decision that's emotionally made, um, kept our relationship pure by by God's standards, you know. Because at times where I'd be like, "Okay, I'm willing to compromise this," she'd be like, "No, you're not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you you were <laughs> you." that's not who you say you want to be so no you can't do that and vice versa um, where you know I could say that to her and that is because of discipline it's because of it's because of stating from the outset that the purpose of the relationship is to make each other appear before God it's not you know to have companionship um, although that's a amazing outcome um so that's the thing that i guess i would ask is what's your guys's experience with that mentality in in relationship within the church amongst like christians is that like christians in school and in, in, in any institution where you see christians has it been your impression that the way that relationship is presented to you is one where it's like this is your life partner that is going to hold you accountable to to who they know you say you want to be versus this is your partner essentially to partake in the fruits of marriage. <laughs> Does that make sense? Do you guys understand the question? I don't. Somebody can, so
3: essentially, yeah. it's like, do we see Christians following more of a biblical ideal of what romantic relationships relationships are meant to be, or do we see, um, and I would f- go with the f- the latter. I I think we see a lot more where the world has influenced the even the very basis of the discussion of what relationships are, because it's like the thing is, is it's like obviously being pure before god like just like sexually and not having sex before marriage is very important and that's a very christian very uniquely christian thing Mm -hmm. um and so but a a christian romantic relationship is so much more than that like like what josh was saying it's meant to make each other pure before god that's the exact opposite of what the world will tell you. The world will tell you that that, that being in a romantic relationship, as the first article was talking about, is for your own benefit. It's to make yourself happy. That's you can't have two more like diametrically opposed like primary goals. the 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 the, the issue <laughs> <laughs> ah! yes. the issue is is that the second one promises to give you temporal satisfaction but it only leaves you broken whereas the first one is difficult and it takes a lot of work but it actually like it's like a c.s lewis quote like if you um if you aim for earth um if you aim for heaven you get earth thrown in and but if you aim for earth you get neither hmm. it's kind of like that
2: that's c.s lewis i, I know Man, so good
3: <laughs> and so it's like,
2: no francis schaefer but
3: and so it's like, we don't have that outlook usually. It's like, oh yeah, well, we're, we're Christians and we're going to date and yeah, we won't have sex before marriage, but we're just going to, you know, see how it is and see if we have chemistry and stuff and see if we make each other happy. Mm-hmm. That's not the purpose of marriage. The purpose of marriage is this lifelong covenant that is supposed to be a reflection of christ and his church mm-hmm. like do you understand like the burden of that like it's it's a, a burden but it's beautiful and it's like when you take that away it's like you take away the burden but you take away the beauty of it and it's like the reality this is it's like if that is actually your goal it's like that changes the whole like like even the discussion of how that pursuit looks because it's like something it's like no like this is I'm searching for the person who will be a lifelong companion in the search of holiness rather than the search of happiness. That looks a lot different. And it's like, yeah, there's a lot that that entails, but I think that's the fundamental starting point.
2: Has it it been your guys' experience, those of you who have experience with growing up in church, or have a long term experience with church. So I guess Hayden, that sort of disqualifies you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Has it been your experience that that's modeled for you by adults within the church?
3: No. I mean, on occasion, but most of the time, no. And I me, mean, part of that's like we're just, when we're talking about secrets, it's like, oh, well, that's just a grown up thing. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm right but we're growing up like, <laughs> right. and so it's like
2: <sighs> here's a secret um, I'll reveal I'll reveal a secret of being grown up now that I'm two years away from 40 um, there's no such thing as a grown up thing and grown mm-hmm. ups aren't grown ups in their minds that's the thing like I like y- the matrix introduced a concept they call residual self image um, which I really like Uh, But it's like how you see yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Like, grown-ups don't see themselves as... Like, an 80-year-old rarely sees himself as an 80-year-old. He sees himself as, you know, basically somebody who's in his prime who's gotten weaker over time. And that's why he talks about the good old days. Mm -hmm. So, like, this idea of, like, like parents, they see themselves... They still see their parents as their parents. It's kind of crazy. Kids see their parents as the prime adult, but... Parents, they don't see themselves as the prime adult. Generally, they see, in my experience, they see their parent as still the prime adult, and they have a really hard time when their parent displays weakness.
0: Transition. Yeah. So,
2: just in in that concept of relationship, like you're saying, like it's a grown-up thing. Like that's how people talk about it. I agree, that's how people talk about it. But, but it's, it's smokescreen. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's not how it's not how they actually see it. I think it's just a lazy way of not having to address something that they don't know how to address, basically. That's my admonition and condemnation of my generation. Mm
3: -hmm. With love. Yeah. Mm -hmm. From Josh.
2: Yeah. But, yeah, like, so, but going back to my question, like, is is that your experience? Caitlin says, no, not really. Um, Is it your experience that within the church itself or within Christian relationships, like in a high school, so now I can't ask about your experience, um, that holiness over over really any other type of relationship is is what's put in play. I can tell you from a marriage counseling standpoint um, you know as a pastor I've had the honor of marriage counseling and I'd say 90 percent of my marriage counseling experiences are about either reminding people or sometimes outright informing them that that's what a relationship is for and it's not about whatever reason they got into the relationship mm-hmm. which is kind of hard right because you go into you go into you go into marriage counseling and as Christians, and you're you have a certain expectation, the ground rules for it, and basically what you have to tell people is, no, you have to throw away your ground rules. You have to rewrite your. Working. Working. <laughs> yep, he, they they haven't been working well for you. That's why you're here to begin with, and you have to rewrite your entire thought process on, on relationship.
3: Yeah, you're counseling.
2: Yep. Um. But yeah, so I don't know. Like, what's what's your experience in, in the school, like? Do you ever see other Christian couples in the school? No. No? Okay. Not at all. Do you...
5: I don't know a lot of couples. And then, like, the most couples that I do know, like, break up after, like, a month. Yeah, that's high school. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My experience with it, observing it, um, would be, like, that the Christian couples, you know, were saving themselves, but you know, skirted around in every other way that they possibly could. Really, right. yeah. Right. sinning in that way, you know? Right. Like, um, just actively trying to um, think loophole. of whatever... Yeah, loophole. And yeah.
3: Exactly. Right, because, like, like I said, that that's the, the defining thing, which is, again, it's a, a super important aspect of it, but it's just an aspect of
1: it. Mm-hmm. Like, Right. It, yeah, if I mean, you don't
3: have that as the foundation, it's like, I'm not surprised at all that that's yeah. how... i was
2: just thinking of an episode of superstore that just aired and they were talking they were giving advice to a girl at her quinceanera and they were talking about that just everybody all the adults were telling her to basically save her virginity and one of the non one of the non family members said something that was anyway um just about like yeah save your virginity but basically there's other ways you know the loophole is always the butt or the mouth
0: okay
2: it's true in sexuality and that's
0: okay.
2: that's how people do things you know and that's not it's not appropriate like how does that make you more holy <laughs> just saying <laughs> So things pastor josh says that's no, the uh, sound clip we need Yep, we
1: talk about we things need. that aren't is that what we need
2: shaky.
1: no but yes. that's that is that's my experience
2: um yeah. that's my experience with christians in working with in working with christians and working with christian young people is that if if they don't understand what purity is and what the reason for relationship is then 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 they will give way and oftentimes they'll find some sort of way which deviates but still accomplishes their own lust or desire and the statistics are staggering like i remember when when i when jen was going to i think it was junior high and the statistics on oral in junior high was like it was like 30% or something like that of kids in junior high had experienced oral. Like, what is that? I mean, we're talking about kids between the ages of, what is that, like 12 and 14? I mean, that's that's crazy.
4: It's so sad because they are kids. Yes. Like, like, like you were saying with the parent thing, like looking, I, I just remember being a kid and looking at those teenagers, and like, one day I'll be a teenager. And it's like, oh, I'm a teenager. Uh, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like kids, like babies. It's right. It's crazy. Well, and
2: the sad thing about it is is that there's a checking off the box on relationship where basically they they want to do right by God. And so because they want to do right by God, they're not willing to do these things, but they are willing to do these other things. Well, you have to ask yourself, why? And I think the reason why is because they're not taught what right by God means. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And that's really sad because once they do learn, then it's something that's really sad. So, yeah. Yeah, that's uh... (laughs) a... It's real here in the upper
3: story. (laughs)
1: Yeah, Someone want to end on a better note than that? Because we're going to wrap up. It's
3: too much pressure. <laughs> Read Hosea. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's all we got. What? <laughs> so, okay, fine, fine. I'll do a summary. Okay, so, like, if your goal isn't to marry, you're not ready to date. And mm. if you're not ready to marry, it's like, because that's the thing, is that like marriage it should be the end goal. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, and a right understanding of marriage should be the end goal a di- an idea of marriage where it's to glorify god and it's to pursue god together because like i was saying earlier it's like when you're in a, this like like this marriage partnership like you're able to pursue god more effectively because you're able to support one another the like the idea that um a cord of three is not easily broken like because community is so helpful in supporting one another but the thing is is it's like without that idea of happiness is not our prime directive, it's holiness, like that changes the discussion. And then you can actually understand why it's like, no, it's not just not having sex as normally defined. It's, it's just, it's being pure before God and what that, um, and it's a more encompassing than that. It's, it's pursuing him in the relationship, um, and finding someone that will help in that.
2: So let me ask this question. Has that been difficult for you all? What? Like to re- to remember that. Like cuz obviously people you know people would uh, people would make fun of me. So like I like I said I'm 38. So if you did the math on what I was saying, essentially I started dating when I was 24. And by dating what that really means is I was ready to marry.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I found the person that I believe could make me more holy before God. So, um, so I started courting, I suppose, at 24. Um, so, but there were people who made fun of me, even within the church, who basically said that there was something wrong with me, even asked me if I was gay. Um, so, and I understand, I'm very flamboyant. So, but, in any case, um, so, my response to them was, Look, it's easy to get into a relationship. You know? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. If I wanted to have sex, I honestly could. Have you seen the people that have sex?
3: (laughs) (laughs) I thought we were going to end on a better note than this.
2: (laughs) But no, it's true. It's true. Like, go into, like, all of your cliques. It doesn't matter what clique it is in a school. It can be the (laughs) weeaboos. I mean, people... people, People... People wanting to get, wanting to be in relationship and taking it to that end. They, that is very, very easy to do. It's wanting to have the right type of relationship that will make you here before God. That's what I'm looking for. And that's why I'm not in a relationship. And when that relationship comes, I'll jump at it. Like, is, has that been difficult for you guys in holding that mentality, like on a personal level, holding that mentality but then also like fighting off the mentality of the world because we are in, we're a, a visually inundated and stimulated culture that every time we turn around we're being told a that relationship is not what it has been defined by for it's completely what you want it to be and then b you can have relationship on your terms through you know through apps where you can just hook up with anybody you no know, strings attached or or really any I mean it's just so available you know pornography you like it's so available so like how has it been and I guess you know I mean Adam you're the only guy other guy on the panel but for for y'all in the younger category like women um, like how has it been for you guys in terms of being able to be solid in that versus wavering because I see you know we're not we're we're not all a hundred percent consistent even if even if we eventually win the war like has it been difficult that's the that's the question has it been difficult to be the person that you know you ought to be?
6: I think it has been but at the same time I'm incredibly like blessed because I have a lot of support in that so like there has been times and especially like Wow, this, sounds, this is not what I, I'm not, basically before, like, when I, before I moved out, um, when I lived with my parents, it has nothing to do with them, just, like, I, it wasn't the same amount of support. I live communally, so I have a lot of people all around me. I live specifically with, you know, three other girls, we're all in the single ladies room, and, like, I have a lot of support in just, like, this is, A, what a godly woman should look like, B, like, we can all hold each other accountable and then see, you know, we have relationship. Like, that's, that's it. (laughs) End of statement. Who's next? Go. Yeah, I'd say it's been hard, for
5: sure. Um, With, yeah, with temptations, like, trying to figure out how to word things but yeah it's definitely been hard <clears throat> um i don't know what was the question again
2: i mean i think you answered it i'm just I, looking for an honest answer because yeah. like we're giving like this is where it should be i just want people to understand like as humans like sometimes it's hard to be where it should be and I just want to get a better feel for that. So I'm just, you know, I. People being good examples isn't always about people being perfect examples.
6: Mm-hmm. Authenticity.
2: So.
4: You learn from other people's mistakes.
2: hmm. What would you say, Jen?
4: Yeah, um, I mean, I agree with uh, Jasmine that I do have lost support. Um, right. I do and I, I had in the past and you know I wasn't perfect like uh, Jake and I tiptoed on that line and so like that temptation but um, we're like you know yeah but you know that's um, yeah we're not perfect but <laughs> we're trying our hardest and um, yeah everyone is able to hold us accountable and so that's the beauty of that because some people don't have any accountability or support
3: um, community in that way What about you? Um, I mean for me I've, I've never had a boyfriend so <laughs> for me the biggest issue has been just like knowing so clearly like what I actually want long term mm. and then like wrestling with like the emotions of what I want right now mm-hmm. especially like it's just like you're saying it's everywhere it's just this idea like it has to be now and it has to be um yeah it essentially has to be now whereas it's like i know it's not always going it it isn't necessarily going to be right now um and just being patient in that because it's like <laughs> I'm, a, I'm really a romantic person, I just, no one expects it, and I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a very, like, I struggle with emotions, and I, I have a lot of them, but I'm, yeah.
6: <laughs> yeah, oh, what was I gonna say? I was just, with your point of, like, what you're looking for, and being specific in that, one thing, piece of advice, um, basically all of the women in Alethia the single women have written up what we call needs list which is just like things that we require of any man who's going to date slash marry us merit emphasis on the mary but um just like first thing man of god second thing like this is things that i need to feel supported and like things that i know will help me be holy or um before god so piece of advice
3: but I should have people know do that. I just. <laughs> I know, and that doesn't make
6: it easier necessarily because you know, as, if you're single and hormonal and a teenager or just a person like. Thanks. No, no, no. I'm, just fine. I'm making a very bad attempt to relate, but um, like, it's difficult. Like, you want those things, like you want to be in that kind of romantical relationship, and you... I don't, I don't know how to say romantical. things.
3: Like I think we need to end up somewhere to the dictionary. And this is how we
6: transfer to the next person. Um, yeah.
2: I think, it's a, I think it's a good point, and I think there it's good point. advice, and going back to the article one of the things that he says is find like an older couple that can hold you accountable and so on and so forth one of the things is that he we being
3: sarcastic in the article i don't I couldn't know tell. it's really difficult I, yeah, I, I, I couldn't
2: tell either so read it and decide for yourselves the, 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 the things comments. been posted but with that said we take that sort of advice seriously and um the idea of a needs list is something that really opens the door um to a meaningful accountability. And what's interesting is that needs list is given to the entire support system and not just to the guy. So, for instance, so for instance, if Jasmine's ready to date somebody, for instance, she would give that needs list to the guy. And then the guys in her life would also know that yeah. needs list. And so they would be able to hold that guy accountable to that needs list. And they
6: would and all have shotguns.
2: And it would and it becomes it becomes a communal process in, in that regard um, and it's funny you know like it, it sounds like outlandish but the truth is like the scripture is our larger needs list right that's and that's the thing that people forget It's like we need to hold each other accountable to even the scripture on a universal level so yeah that's that's one thing that the women here do willingly.
6: Yes, it's not, <laughs> it's not obligated. It's not like, oh, you're coming here now. Signed in blood.
2: Do. Yes. Right. <laughs> this is what you must do to be a part
0: of
6: this. And now church. you are forever in prison. But it's
2: something that the, the women generally do because it's very helpful. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm.
1: That's a good note to end on. That's a better note. To end. Yes, but so that's the the end on a better
0: note. <laughs> uh, now
2: let me give you an anecdote. No, no, <laughs> no <laughs>
1: anecdotes. Obviously, the discussion um, can continue on the on the video, right? Comments can continue after. Yeah, the video. you can yeah. post more post, comments. Right? Yeah, so if I feel see them, feel free to you know comment and ask All questions and ask advice or whatever um, in terms of um, tonight's show. Um and thank you for participating and being here now and in the future. I was gonna say now and in the future, right? Because like you know it. I we have like people to it. listen Sounds to groovy. this um later and as then well. they would feel excluded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um I would invite our listeners to um our next show here at Aletheia, which is next month. Um it's our cross examination panel discussion. Um the topic of that will be denominations, so you can look forward to that. It's on the last Sunday of the month. Um, And just a reminder, CrossX is just a panel discussion with local pastors where they talk um, theology in plain language. So um, you can look forward to that. It's on the last Sunday of every other month, which so that's May. May, and then July, every other month, rotating. Um, So again, denominations, look forward to that. Um, If you haven't already, you should go to the Vigilance Radio Network Facebook page. That is our... Facebook group
6: page.
1: It's a Facebook group. Facebook group page. No one can tell. Uh, it's our it's our network for producing everything we're doing here at Laithia. So you can find the Upper Story podcast. You can find the cross examination um, videos on there. You can find the other podcasts we're doing here at Alathia. Um Basically, um, that's our network. That's where we produce them. all of our shows, um, and that's where you can find those things. So um, feel free to go over there, like and subscribe or follow whatever you have to do on a group page. All of Follow.
0: Follow.
1: Join group. Join group. Um,
0: That's fine.
1: So look, uh, look to that. Um, obviously, share the event, share this podcast with your friends if you think it's um, something they um, could find um, what useful. Useful, yeah. Um, and lastly, if you are without a church home and need a good starting point for getting back into your faith, we have a service for that. You can reach out to um, three of us here: Jasmine, myself, and Josh. Um, uh, via Facebook and we have a service for plugging you in and getting an idea of where you're coming from in terms of your relationship with God your understanding of what that means and um, all of that so yeah thank you for being here tonight and thank you to the Yellow Couch members tonight on the Upper Story Podcast and we look forward to um, next time thank you guys
0: The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network.